Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside Dwayne Drone. Hey, Dwayne, what's happening in Chicago today? Nothing much, man. We're the windy city today. I had to cancel another flight because the wind was blowing too hard, and the gods were not for me today. You know how that works. I, I take it personal when I can't go flying. I can imagine. you got to pick another hobby, something that's not so weather-dependent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the case. I just need to make some more money and get a bigger airplane. There you go. That, that's what it is. The plane that I fly right now can only handle no more than about a 15-knot crosswind. And I can only land in about a 10 to 12 knot crosswind. So it's really my skill. But the bigger plane you get, you mean the crosswinds can go up to 20 mile and 35 mile per hour. So I just got to get more, make more money, get a bigger plane. That's all. There you go. I love that. Life goals, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's it. You know? (laughs) Well, today we're going to be chatting about this this topic that uh, a lot of people, I don't know whether they know or don't know. I guess we're going to unlock it today. And hopefully you guys find a ton of value in this. But it's something I learned years ago. And you know, Dwayne and I have been uh, using for a long time now, but I know oftentimes people find this surprising when it comes to communicating with your clients. And that whole idea is exactly what words you use, right? Because you can sell a project, you can influence a person, you can do a lot of different things just by picking certain words or by selecting a way in which you communicate. And we'll get more into exactly what I mean by that here in a moment. But so often in, in this industry, especially, we're plagued by people who don't have a whole lot of sales knowledge or communication knowledge. You know, maybe it's somebody that's a hobbyist that decides they want to get into making more money. So they you know, buy a truck, buy a wheelbarrow, and out they go. But they don't ever really focus on the communication side of, of the uh, equation. And oftentimes, it leaves a more of a, a bitter taste in a client's mouth. And what I mean by that is by going out and saying, hey, guys, you know, I see you want to do a patio in your backyard. So with that being the case, what we need to do is a 600-square-foot patio. You'll be just fine with that. Sounds good. Here's your proposal, and uh, let me know when you want to start. And out you go, right? You're, you're assuming that 600 square foot's fine. You've just, you know, didn't even listen to the client and what they wanted. You kind of just jumped into it and said, you know what? This is what I think is best here. And you know, not really opened up a conversation to listen to what they truly are trying to achieve by investing this money in their outdoor space. So what we're trying to do today here in this conversation is to give you some tools so that if that is you, and it sounds like you, and that hell, it used to be me when I first started out, right, to, to give you some tools that you're able to implement that you can get a better communication going with your clients and open up that conversation so that you can really get a better depth into what they're trying to achieve. So, Dwayne, have you ever been guilty of that in your last 25-year career? You know, throughout the career, I have to say that that was probably one of the number one problems that we'd had in our, our sales process. And we would sell, 
But we weren't gaining the growth and we weren't getting the, um, the projects that we really wanted. It's because what happened was we were sort of walking in the door and we were being the experts and we were just basically just selling everything that we wanted to do in the job. And what happens is you tend to follow the same thing that you do over and over again. No matter how creative you want to be, sometimes you can get stuck in the same rut and situation. And it really wasn't until maybe about two years ago, Joshua, is when, I mean, we started tweaking the Yes Express model and you created that sales model. And then we had those series of questions to go through. And it was really hard to ask some of these questions and to just shut my mouth. I mean, because you would sort of want to puke more and more information because you want to prove to these people how smart and how educated and how great you are and nobody's better than you. Like you keep wanting to do that. But I noticed the more I practiced and the less I actually had to show them whatever, and the more I listened to them, the more they thought I was the great guy or, or, or understanding. And I actually was getting better information from them. The ticket prices of the jobs were getting higher. We were getting the designs that we really wanted to draw because they started telling us their innermost feelings of what they wanted to do. And all we had to do was just shut our mouths and, and just listen instead of just trying to puke all this information and trying to be how smart we are. Like, like, I've actually done this now to having more conversations. I used to be the loud guy in the room. Now I'm sort of the quiet guy because I'm listening for little words. And I'll ask little questions to sort of steer the conversation. You mean, but I'm really gaining a ton of information as much as I can from people. Absolutely. You know, my, my father taught me when I was young. He says, kid, you're going to learn a lot more with your ears than you will with your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's something that always stuck with me. But to your point, when we first start out, especially when you don't have a whole lot of experience or you just don't have the credibility or the street cred that you hope you have, you feel like you can fill that gap with knowledge. So you read some books, go to some seminars. Next thing you know, you know everything about interlocking pavers or retaining walls or whatever it might be. So going out to that site, you feel like you need to fill air with knowledge so that that client will think more of you. And what happens is you lose them. Some people really like that you know, fine-tuned detail of exactly what you're going to do. But 90% of our clients are coming to us for a result. They don't really give a shit how we get there as long as A, it's going to last, and B, it's going to solve the problem. They, they really don't care. So the reality is we need to be thinking about it from the perspective of our prospect, from our client's shoes, be thinking about what, what does it mean to me? What's in it for me from the client's perspective? And then they will, you know, once you turn your communication around that way and start focusing on really getting that nailed down first so they can answer that question as quickly and as efficiently as possible, then you're going to be at the highest uh, you know, level of their consideration for the project. But if you go in there with tons and tons of information and tons of books and leave them all kinds of stuff behind, you give them, you put them in a position that they will have analysis paralysis and they were like, oh my God, like he's a smart guy. He knew a lot of stuff, but I couldn't correlate the difference between what he was telling me and what I needed to have done because he's so smart about what he's doing, but he doesn't know how to bring it down to earth so I can understand it. You know what I mean? You know, when it comes to the client's perspective, because most of them have never done a patio or a retaining wall. And if they have, they don't understand the words and the lingo. So we, we go and we get that, you know, dictionary out or whatever that hardscapers dictionary. And we go there and talk about, you know, everything from uh, different, you know, aggregate materials that we're going to use underneath the, the compaction ratings and the geotextiles and whatever it might be. Right. But at the end of the day, they don't give a shit about any of that stuff. It's important to us because we learned it, but they don't care. All they care about is this is this, this patio is going to hold up to the test of time and not going to grow a ton of weeds and be a ton of maintenance for me. That's all they care about. 
And at the end of the day, if you're not focusing your com- your communication and your conversation toward that, you're going to end up with a ton of information, you know, vomited all over them. And they're just going to be like, oh my God, can I just find somebody that gets me? Right. And one of the number one things that I've found in the last 25 years in this world, especially in the last five, and I use this constantly, is listening to your clients. That's obvious, but listening to their exact words and phrases that they're using. So, so often, Somebody will call into the office and they'll ask about a project they're looking to do and and this kind of thing. And as professionals, we want to listen to them, of course, but we also want to make sure they understand exactly what they're talking about. So if somebody would call in and say, look, I want a, uh, you know, an outdoor, let's just say an outdoor terrace where I can set some patio furniture out on and enjoy the sunshine. And maybe there's a little like a shade structure or something like that, that I can sit underneath on those hot days. Let's just say that's all they're looking for, right? And as professionals, we want to jump in there and we want to start correcting them right away, right? We want to be like, okay, so you're looking for a deck or patio, whatever that terrace means to you. And you're looking for a pergola or a pavilion, right? And we feel like it's our job, our duty to communicate that to them so that they aren't making a mistake, air quotes. (laughs) So the problem is that to that homeowner, the words terrace and the words shade structure mean something to them. They're they're, they're sounds in the language that help uh, convey a certain idea, right? And when you change them on them quickly, they may or may not feel, this isn't 100% always the case, but oftentimes it is, they feel like, wait a minute, if, if you say in a patio and a pavilion, that's not what I asked for. I asked for a terrace and a shade structure, right? Even though we know those are options that will solve those problems, we're basically saying, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what you need. And what it does subconsciously is it offends them and not in a you know, snowflake kind of offensive way, but more of like, this, this person doesn't get me. So my suggestion here is to listen to their clients. And when when you guys get these calls into your office, right, even being out on site with clients, and they use certain words, use them again, bring them back into conversation. So that conversation might go like, okay, Mrs. Jones, it sounds like you're looking for a nice terrace and a shade structure, right? That's exactly what I want. Perfect. Okay. Now, what are some thoughts? What does that look like to you? Start opening them up with some how and what questions, right? And let them extrapolate on exactly what this shade structure must do and what this terrace is, but don't correct them. That's happened so often. We want to jump in because we're so damn smart and we want to correct them right away. And you're alienating yourself in the conversation. These people want to know that they've been heard and understood. And when you correct them, it does the absolute opposite. So when you're taking your sales calls, when you're communicating write down their exact, exact words they used and then use them back to them to make sure that you both understand exactly what they want. And if you need to go deeper, you could say, tell me a little bit more about that terrace. What, what do you, how do you visualize that working for you? Or what does that look like for you? And let them extrapolate. Don't start assuming. That's another, that's number two, right? First is trying to put words in people's mouths. Second is the assumption side of things. I've done this a thousand times as a pro. Like I know exactly what these people need. So I'm going to assume that they need a patio that's, to my example, 600 square feet. And I assume they're going to want some kind of a pavilion because that's what a shade structure is. And you miss the entire conversation that creates the journey of understanding between you and your client and opens them up to trust. Because if you come out there just a you know a bulldozer trying to bulldoze this quick because you're trying to get 10 different uh, calls in in one day, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel like a number and they're not going to open their checkbook up or their ideas to you. And you're going to wonder why your closing rates are lower or you're not locking down those big projects because the bigger the ticket gets, guys, the more they expect to be heard, the more that they want to be understood. 
So it's really important, those two things. One is to use their words right back at them. Utilize that technique. Think about it. That's a great way to connect, build great rapport and trust. And then the second is obviously going to be the the side where you're you're working toward using, again, their words and also uh, setting that expectation for everything else coming. So that's really... It's a big part. So Dwayne, have you found much difference in what uh, you've done since you've incorporated that? Total change, total change. Like you you think that every like, um, I, I go by telling stories, but I saw like a YouTube video that was being shared on Facebook one time and it was this uh, brother and he was knocking on doors and he was selling some product and this dude was dope. I mean, his his mouthpiece was uh, was insane. Like he Real fast, talking like Dolomite and shit. You know I mean, I got this, I'll flip this around, I'll spin this, da 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 da. And like, it was all this comment, like, this is the hottest salesman out here. This, this is like, and you know, I want to give him props because that takes a lot to go knock on somebody's door and sell them a product that you've never met. So having a gift of gab is that gift of gab. And we were always taught that that our sales process is the gift of gab. You get the gab, well, you can sell, you got the gift of gab. What I'm learning to hit this higher level and to create these spaces with feeling and life and have these budgets where clients, they just sort of like, yeah, we don't really worry about how much that is. We just want it. I learned it's, it's the less, really the less I speak. And it's a more strategic of how I speak now. Like I learned, I don't really say much anymore. I'm just asking questions and doubling down on what they say. So if they say they want a terrace, they want to sit outside. So which direction do you want to sit? You mean, where do you like the sunlight? Do you like, do you sit in the sun? You don't like to sit in the sun. I'm just asking questions to actually keep zeroing in on what their project is. You mean, I don't care if it's just a little square rectangle. I'm asking more questions to zero in. Hell, I just did a project where they wanted a zero, a little square rectangle. And now it's the hottest, it's going to be the hottest deck in the neighborhood. And it was just supposed to be a square deck. Now it has all kind of plants built in, cable railing. It has, you mean, the modern teak furniture. It has the outdoor kitchen cabinetry. Like, you know what I mean? This was a little deck that the basic contractor would have gone in and done a $10,000 job. I'm at $50,000 on this deck because I sat back and listened and I just kept asking the right questions. And one of the things, Josh, to add to it is, and and let's just be really authentic, being a brother and being a minority in America, you sort of have to show everybody that you're smarter than everybody else. So um, I went through this program called The Landmark about two years ago, and what it found out was this is what you call your winning formula. And your winning formula is what you think that you need to do to double down in your life to get you through life better. And the more you double down on it, the more you think that you're getting better at it. And so you keep doubling down on your winning formula. And when you say the word winning formula, it sounds like something, oh, that's it. It works. That's what it is. And it's really not. It's actually the opposite. It's not who you are. You're not being authentic. You're just doubling down on what you think it will work. So what I thought would work is I would present my most proper white voice, can I? because that's what I'll hear, but it's the most proper voice. And I would hit you with more intelligence about this outdoor living space than you could ever learn. Like, no matter who came to this house, I knew more about everything. And that was sort of my winning formula. And that's what I felt could get me to win the client. And it would work. And so when it didn't work, I doubled down on it. And couldn't figure out, like, why is it not working today? Because it doesn't really work every time. It's not being authentic. 
And so it's called your winning formula. And, and I remember doubling down on it. And I know like foreigners, they double down on it because we think that's what we need to do to survive and win in this country. What I learned is, was the opposite, is shut my mouth, be as not really quiet as I can, not really tell anybody about my life story. I'm a pilot, so everybody's going to hear that. I, if you want some groceries and you ask for some, uh, if you ask for a Coke, I'm going to tell you I'm a pilot first and I'll get you the Coke. I mean, you're going to hear that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the more I listen and then took notes and learned the key words, instead of correcting them, used those words, wrote them down, and then repeated them again, and then keep adding on. And then sometimes I can even do a slip correct as we're going, maybe 10 minutes into the conversation, I'll say something about it as if I'm not correcting, and then they'll have that aha moment, and they'll go there. Because um, I sort of help doing that. So if they do some search and studies, they can find the right things they're looking for. But it's I don't have to be the expert anymore on these projects. And I'm learning that we're, I, I just had to pinch myself the other day, like, our basic jobs when we were the paper patio company, we'd lucky to get somebody twenty, thirty thousand dollars. That was like that was the big ticket item. Now I don't really touch anybody under seventy five and a hundred K. I mean it's just it's not insane. It's just it's just normally what we do. And it's not really about the dollar amount, it's just about designing these beautiful spaces that people are not really worried about the money for. They're not really chasing you down on what this thing costs and how it is. They just want it right. And because you listened to them and you wanted that space for them, they're going to trust you and follow you down to the promised land because they know you're going to get them there. So listening is key. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a very important part for sure. And that's why with our Yes Express sales system, the first part first bunch of questions and all that is all about listening. It's asking and leading with great questions and letting them open up. So often I've been pitched different things throughout my life to buy or to whatever. And, you know, you have like two minutes on the phone or a minute on the phone or even in front of a salesperson, you're like, this is all about them. This entire pitch is all about them. All they, all, you can feel that all they care about is their commission or their whatever they're going to get from the sale. So you, as a, as a consumer, you back off and you're like, all right, great. That's, I, I don't feel a win-win scenario here. So when you lead with great questions and have a structure and a strategy to go into your sales process with, uh, it, it gives you this superpower because you know damn well after doing it for you know whatever hundreds of calls, the same basic process, that there's certain things you can expect, certain things that are going to come up, and you can move through it. You can do it on your best day, your worst day. It doesn't matter because you know exactly what's coming next. You know that everything you need to say is going to be part of that entire conversation, but you lead with questions first. You don't start out and say, hey, um, you know, so-and-so from XYZ Landscaping. Today, this is exactly what we do. We built patios. We just built one over in your neighborhood. We do it this way. It's it's this much base and this much stone, yada, yada, yada. You go through, tell them about your dog, your cat, your family. You tell them about the boat you just bought, and you tell them about your favorite favorite sports team and do all this kind of stuff. And at the end, the client's like, oh my God, will he shut the fuck up? All I want to do is talk so I can be heard. And you think on the other side, as the pro, that you're going to be the one talking your way into this project. But what you have to understand is that everyone loves to buy things, but they hate being sold to, right? And if you are out there trying to fill your lack of confidence with sound, it's obvious. And at certain levels within the selling process, like, or not selling process, but within business levels, like you're starting out in the beginning, a little bit nervous, you don't have the, the you know, 
whatever, the polish for the years and years of experience doing this. You tend to talk a lot more and clients figure that out and you wonder why you're stuck with five to $10,000 patios because they can smell it right away that you don't have the confidence to go higher. And it's not because you don't possess it, it's because you haven't developed that skill yet. And once you get to a certain part in your career, depending on how much you want to or how fast you want to grow and scale, you will learn those skills. You'll have to because you can't go in there with a $5,000 mindset and sell a $100,000 project. It just doesn't work, right? People smell right through that and they're not going to just trust that, you know, like, okay, well, I look at this guy's portfolio. He does $5,000 patios and here's, you know, a six-figure project. It's not going to happen. So, or if it does, you better damn well make sure you got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed, right? So anyway, point is that you need to develop yourself first, learn how to communicate, how to ask the right questions in the right order, and then how to bring them through a process of self-discovery. They're discovering for themselves what is truly in their best interest and you not trying to drive that down their throat and say, well, everybody gets a 600 square foot patio and everybody gets a, you know, an outdoor kitchen with X, Y, and Z parts, you know, and like none of that kind of stuff. It's about listening. Okay, so what do you see yourself you know, doing out in this patio? Okay, well, it's obviously going to be grilling, dining, and lounging. That's a given. Now, but what else? Like how many people do you entertain at a certain time? When, when you say outdoor kitchen, are we thinking something, a simple grill island? Or are we thinking something that is more of a, you know, a five-star chef's kitchen? Like what do, what do you guys, what do you see your family using? How many people do you entertain on an average, on an average weekend? How often do you entertain them, you know, throughout the year? So setting all those uh, questions, things like that to open them up. The next thing you know, they're having a conversation and they're learning along with you. And you're the teacher, right? Because at first, we are the guides. We are not heroes. Throughout this entire conversation with our clients, we are not heroes. They are the heroes and we are the guides. So we need to prompt them with amazing questions that they can come along and discover on their journey what the best solutions are going to be for themselves. And then you can be the guide to put them in. And next thing you know, they can be the hero. And then as a hero, they're telling all their friends about how freaking awesome you are because they had that experience with you and everybody else wanted to be the hero. The pros wanted to be the hero and the clients happened to be the ones that kind of guided them to where they're going. And when you flip the script, everything changes. Your clients feel it. That's how people buy today. They're more sophisticated in our market than ever. They aren't a bunch of boneheads looking to just have an area that they don't have to mow anymore. You know, these guys are sophisticated. They see the really nice stuff you can do in an outdoor living space. They want comfort. They demand a great client experience from the very beginning all the way through. They don't want overages in their project. They don't want any of those things. So you need to be thinking about how do you create your business or not? how do you strategize your business so that you take those risks and you take those things that they don't want out and figure out a way to do that and be the first in your market. You'll be the first to, you know, to a million, two million, $10 million, whatever, right? It's all about trying to solve problems that everyone else deals with in your market and being the, the first to do it. But again, that all comes through the communication side and listening to what your clients say exact words is going to be very powerful when it comes to the, the communication and building the rapport and also building the trust in what you need in order to be successful in, in any type of business, really. There is a lot to just a listening part. I get throughout the weeks, I get contractors who contact me all the time and they're like, we love the work you guys are doing. It looks great. And I want to do work like that. I want jobs like that. I can't wait to get clients like that. And I just, I say it over and over and over again. 
you already have the clients. The same phone calls you are getting are the same clients that we're getting. Like if I got the phone call that you got, I'd run to that client's house and I would design and sell what we do to that same client that you're saying doesn't have the money or doesn't want to go any further or doesn't want to do that. Like you'll say that and that's what's going on. It's You have to develop the skills to understand and do it. And one of the greatest skills to develop is learning how not to speak. You mean that is, but you know, Joshua, this is something that takes role playing. Like I can tell you not to speak all day long. And, and I know when we were going through the Yes Express process, you could say, like you would say in the notes, don't say anything. It'd be on the notes, don't say anything. But when I hear, oh yeah, I did that too. You mean somebody said there, like, don't let a pilot hop on. I still have to fight with that. If you're a pilot and I know it and I hear it, I have to learn how to shut up and not go into the world of piloting because my job is not to tell you that I'm a pilot. My job is to learn more about you and your lifestyle. Now, I can understand what a pilot wants when they come home, but I need to be quiet and still sell it. So this even takes role-playing and practice to even get to this point and how tough it is. And that's why there's so many few that are in the position of true outdoor living. This is the point that I actually wanted to make. One of the frustrating things that I have that what's going on in this industry. And it's almost like when you think of fast food restaurants, everybody knows that area in their neighborhood or in their community where there's like five or six fast food restaurants all beside each other. And now people think, well, that's a horrible idea. That's not smart. No, it's actually one of the best ideas because it creates variety. And what it does is it creates you going back to that same area. So you may go to McDonald's today. You may go to Wendy's tomorrow. But what happens is you know to keep going to the area. The one thing about that I'm having an issue with what our industry is, is we're, we're upon this humongous boom of outdoor living. But I don't feel there's enough emphasis on true outdoor living design. I, I think they're still just, let's sell some pavers, let's drop in some, you know I mean, Brussels block walls or, or do stuff like that. And there's really no emphasis on picking the right materials, the right styles and the right looks because nobody is listening. The clients are saying they want it all day long because the same clients that are calling these companies, they're calling us up and saying, hey, we wanted to really look at a design and the other companies just wanted to say, what do you want? Or they're just doing the same old thing. And we don't want that. We want something different. So we had to see search and we found you. And I wish more people knew what we knew and hone their skills because they can create more of the demand and understanding for what it is. Like I don't mind having competition and what we do because it's going to now create the awareness and demand. Like clients are now going to be hiring us according to who has the best design or who's listening to us. The best is really what it is because the best design is you heard what they wanted and you're creating something that they wanted. So really now it's going to come to who's listening the best and who's learning from the client and learning from the past client, learning from the lifestyles, learning from what's going on instead of just throwing another patio. I saw this really dope patio today. This guy did on a Facebook. He posted, I mean, the patio was dope, but he went right to the same old, same old Brussels walls, look scratchy gray with the, the same coping and everything, just beautiful design, beautiful layout plantings. You know, it was the same old, same old. And I sent over and said, man, you did a beautiful job. I said, you just, I just wish you would have done something different on the walls. And he's like, yeah, the client budget, da, 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 da. And I heard that part. But if he would have showed them and stood on what he wanted by, by saying, here, this is what you said, this is what you wanted, and reminded them that they wanted something nice and something different, 
he could have put that better wall there all day long. It's just that we got to listen more and we got to really pay attention to what's going on in this industry. And that's really the change. It's it's the opposite of what people think. We thought that we need to be smart. We need to mow more. We need to read more. Yeah, you need to do that for your own insulation and your own thing. But when you're dealing with the clientele, you got to learn how to shut up. Yeah, that's one of the hardest parts is just, you know, embracing silence. When it comes down to it, again, that's why our program is so focused on, you know, having them speak up front and just by leading with great questions. And, you know, oftentimes, and I know when we first started doing it, uh, you were prone to this as well and how I was too when I first uh, figured this out. But, you know, when someone, you're building rapport, it's one of the first things you'll do in a phone. We do it naturally, but to actually do it consciously, but to build rapport with the client so they feel like you're like them, right? So you pick something out of their questionnaire or you, something out of something that you know about them and you just strap a little bit on that, but you ask them about that question. You typically find things that you have in common. So for instance, you know, I love to run. So uh, I don't know about love to run, but I do run a lot. And uh, with that being the case, if I see somebody say in their questionnaire that they're runners, you know, what I'm not going to do is say, Hey, George, I see you're a runner. And then he might say, yeah, sounds, I'm a runner. And then I'd be like, you know what? I run, I run all the time. I love running here. I love running there. I run here. I run up this hill, down this hill over here. I ran this marathon. I ran this, I ran I, 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 I. And George is like, what the fuck is up with this guy? I don't care where you've gone. Why are you trying to compare yourself to me and one up me? Right. And it's so, so common for people to do that because they're trying to build rapport, but they're doing the opposite. So by saying, Hey George, I see that you're a runner in your questionnaire. Tell me about, you know, one of the favorite places you like to go running and don't even mention the fact that you are just don't even mention it. He doesn't give a shit if you're a runner or not. Yeah. You're trying to build rapport, but he doesn't care. What he cares about is, is this person someone that I can work with? So if you're asking questions that are all about him putting him on stage the entire time, dude, he's going to love it because everyone else is calling in, talking about their lives and how awesome they are, giving him all that vomit we talked about earlier, all that industry speak to make them sound really smart. And when you're the guy that calls up or the gal that calls up and has a conversation with them that really truly wants to get a sense of what they're trying to do by leading with awesome questions in a framework that always gives you the very best results and leaving your story for later in the conversation when it's the right time, it's, it's game over. You win every time. That's the crazy part because they aren't expecting that, especially from a quote unquote landscaper or a hardscaper or whatever it might be. They just expect the basics. But when you wow them with an experience before they even ex- you know have it by leading with questions, questions they never thought about, you're asking them questions like we get, we get it constantly on certain questions that we ask like, wow, that's a really good question. And they have to stop and think. It's not the standard, yeah, can you come out and take a look and give me a measurement and a quote for this patio? No. You got to get through the gate first. And that's what this is. We got to make sure we're a good fit for each other. And we do this so we don't waste a ton of time driving out to look around all to be told, no, I got nine other guys lined up right after you. Cheapest bidder gets the project. And that's if that's you, then you're losing money every single time. But when you learn how to communicate with people, it's so easy and it's, it's you can replicate it over and over. You can teach all your salespeople the same exact process that there's no question in all these things. Communication now becomes a part of your culture. And then you start communicating within your teams, you know, inside of your business even better too. So all of that is just so powerful. But, you know, the premise of this entire podcast here is to, is to have you try this tool. Just try it. Listen to your clients more intently and use their exact words back to them. Again, if they use the word terrace, say, okay, Mrs. Jones, it sounds like you're looking for a terrace and looking for that shade structure. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. 
and let her go into that. Don't try to correct her. Just if there's any tool or any concept you use, just try that. And then another big thing, which we haven't even talked about, we've dabbled into it, but it's the STFU. And that stands for shut the fuck up. So you ask a question and you shut your damn mouth. That's all. And trust me, the silence will elicit them to respond and they will then have a conversation. The more quiet you are, the more reserved you are when you talk to people, most of the time you're going to find that they're going to respect you more because you're more controlled. If you're running your mouth constantly, they're going to be like, man, he's trying to fill air. He's kind of, and subconsciously, they're not thinking this consciously, but subconsciously, like, this guy's trying to fill air. He probably doesn't, he's nervous. He's talking way too fast. He needs to stop doing that and he needs to start listening. And that's, again, that's when you get stuck at five to $10,000 projects and you can't get to the upper echelons because they can tell it in your voice. Humans are very smart. Yeah. You could go five levels deep. It's called a seven level, seven levels deep questions with people. And you can have the most profound conversation with somebody just by asking them the questions. And the way you do it is, and it's, this is one way to practice it. If you don't have any of the sales training that you've gone through, Yes Express, anything like that, if you just want to practice, ask someone a question. When they answer their question, find something that they answered in the question and ask them another question about that answer and then do it seven times. You'll have the most profound conversation you've ever had with that person. And you didn't say a word into the conversation. Only thing you did was ask more questions. And here's something else I read. And I actually read this when I was selling cars back, I mean, 15 years ago, um, is how to win friends and influence people. And at the time I read it, I got it, but I really didn't understand it. Like, you know, they said, if somebody tells you about their lives, they think you're best friends and they'll love you to death. And I practiced it at the time, but I really didn't understand it to the level that I've understood it now. And now all I have to do is sit back. I, I do it on everybody now. I don't just, just do it on clients. I do it on my wife. I do it on my kids. I do it on everybody I meet. If I meet you on the airplane, I'll just keep asking questions after questions after questions. And you're just telling me your entire life story. And it's wild to see how powerful it is. And they knew nothing about me. You I mean, now they do know I'm a pilot. Yeah, got to, <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody knows that. Like, it doesn't matter if you, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you ask me for the umbrella that I have in my hand, you, you know I'm a pilot, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're going <laughs> exactly. to hear that. <laughs> you want fries with that? For a pilot, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're going to hear that. So there's one thing I'm going to puke out. I'm going to tell you I'm a pilot first before I'm anything else. Like, I'm proud of that. <laughs> but um, that's it, dude. Like, you, you just got to be able to learn how to shut your mouth. And it takes role play, Joshua. It's not that, it's not as easy as you you think like and it's even worse if just like you say if they mention running to you or if they mention um what's your thing is um you're not the iron man but the what, what a thing the ninja warrior if they mention that to you i know that's so hard not to to take off and go down that path but you got the good thing is you know what questions to ask about being a ninja warrior but you got to watch out to not be the asshole and to sort of ask them the questions to check them to see if they really are so you got to watch out for that too i know that's tough it is but you're absolutely right and i've had clients that their kids are in say ninja warrior or whatever and I've been training for four years now, so it's been it's been a fun hobby, and I'm in and out of it, you know, depending on the the time frame and of life and different demands. But you know, I have a client bring that up, and if I see it in their questionnaire, for instance, they say we love American Ninja Warrior, whatever. I'll say, oh, cool. What's your favorite obstacle? Like, I'll lead them with questions based on what I know, but I will never be like, hey, guys, I've been on the set. I've been, you know, the stuff you see on the show. I've done that stuff. Like, all I don't because that's just me tuning my own horn, and they don't give a shit about that. 
later in the conversation, there might be time for that after you've locked down the deal and you guys are just kind of talking back and forth during a build or during the design process later. Maybe it slips out, whatever. But to lead with those kinds of things, people don't care much about you. They care about their problem and they want it to be solved. And they want it to be solved by somebody who they feel like they understand or can be understood from. So that's really the the, the first thing you need to get through. But so often, man, so often. And again, I used to be guilty of this too. I thought by telling them how awesome I was, that uh, that would help. And it did the opposite. So, you know, in the beginning, when you're building rapport, whether you do our sales process, a sales process, whatever, when you're building rapport, it's all about them, right? You ask them questions, just make sure you understand what uh, when you're leading with questions, make sure you understand what you're talking about. So for instance, I'm not a golfer, never have been. I don't think I ever will be. So if I see on a questionnaire or anybody in general, that says, yeah, I'm a golfer. I do this. I say, that sounds awesome, but I'm not going to be like, oh, cool. And just start bullshitting with them because they're going to sniff right through that quick. And once they feel like you're a fraud because you're just trying to make, you know, idle chatter, they're not going to feel very trustworthy into whatever else you say. So I try to stay away from subjects that I don't truly know. And I focus on things that I do. And there's certain subjects like weather and family and things like that, you know, depending on what you see and what you hear that are easy subjects to talk about that everyone can relate to. But, you know, again, don't go into a subject if I'm not a pilot. So I wouldn't, if somebody said they're a pilot, like, oh, that's really cool. Like what's this and this. And like, like I wouldn't do that because I don't have enough knowledge to really be valuable asking good, solid questions. But to your other point about the seven levels, there's a whole concept of seven levels of why as well, where somebody doesn't really know why they're doing stuff, you know, either you know in life in general or just bad choices, whatever. But you can go down through that with them and bring them down seven levels of why and get right down to the, the point, like to the actual, if you will, the crux of it all. Um, and it's really quite powerful. I've had people cry during that kind of a thing. And I've actually myself been through that too where I had somebody who, who brought me to seven levels because I couldn't figure out why I was doing a certain thing. It was actually for my one Ninja Warrior video that I was sending into NBC. And, you know, I, I just, I couldn't connect with the emotion that I needed to do and or needed to get to. And, and he took me through seven levels of why. And by the end, I was crying and I knew exactly why I had to do it. But it's only him asking questions. That was it. He just asked questions. Most of them had why in it. And if I said, you know, I really want to do this because, okay, why is that important? Okay, because I really want this. So, but why is that important? But not like a broken record, you know, you reframe the question, but eventually you get to a point where like, oh my God, this is exactly why I'm doing this. But it's all to your point, just questions. So we're, we're not going that deep with our clients saying, why are you doing this backyard? Why do you want this patio? Why is brown the right color for you? Like, you don't have to get that crazy, but you structure your questions in a way that you can really open them up because they've never done this before. Or if they have maybe once or twice in their life, but you really want to make sure you get down to that deeper meaning so that you can really be a full value to that client. Yeah. From what I learned, if you ask people why it's actually offensive, um, asking somebody why they're doing something, it's actually offensive. So it has to be worded in a way it has to be worded in a way that is a why, but you're not saying why, um, because when you're asking somebody why they're doing something, uh, they can take offense to that. So you really got to watch that. Um, I mean, this is it's just constantly educating yourself. What I learned from Tony Robbins that everything that we want to know is on this earth and all we have to do is learn it. And then you realize like how easy it is to learn any of this. You can now you can listen to a podcast by Joshua and Dwayne and learn how to run your design sales business. And all you got to do is sign up for the podcast and keep listening 
to every single one and get nuggets and now you become a better person. Uh, you be not a better person. Well, you'll become a better person too, but you'll become a better person to operate your design firm or your landscape business. That's dope as hell. You can hop on a YouTube video and pick that up. I, I remember hell we were watching. Um, I forgot the movie, the show, but Isabel and I binge watched this show is what Marty Khan. They were like this consulting firm and they traveled all over the United States. Da, 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 and we binge watch every episode. A month later, after we got done watching an episode, I end up closing this $25,000 management deal in Corpus Christi, Texas, where I flew myself, Isabel, and one of my team project managers from Columbus, Ohio. It was literally the TV show. We were all walking out of the airport with our roller, bo roller boards in our hand. It was so dope. I had to have somebody take a picture of it because this is our company and we had our staff walk. I mean, it was dope as hell, but I learned it all from watching, you mean, this show. So it was like, it was just education and it was just educating myself. You mean, and it was really just putting the teams together. And we weren't even managing a job. We just flew in to figure out what teams to put together to keep her, the client moving along. And we got everybody together, the engineers, the architects and everything. And it was just something we learned from watching the show. So there's free education out here everywhere. And you just got to keep educating yourself. You mean, to, to learn better information on this. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because it's at the end of the day, it's it's all about growth, right? It's always about uh, two millimeter growth every day in every single aspect of your life. And that's a whole nother conversation for a different day. But anyway, you know, guys, I hope today you found uh, lots of value in uh, this podcast. And, you know, this this concept of asking great questions and opening people up by asking questions and not being so much focused on how awesome you are or how much information you have stored in your brain. So at the end of the day, you're going to find a hell of a lot more value and a hell of a lot more respect from your clients if you learn one simple thing, STFU. <laughs>